you hook Could it I up. sing a song and then start? And you make it sound good. <laughs> <laughs> it's software. It's not a movie. You ought to. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Life Church Connect series with Pastor Josh Love. For more info about any ministry talked about in this podcast or things going on around the church, check out our website, livechurchofcolumbia.org. We're going to do a Sunday morning highlight. Hey, welcome back to the Live Church Connect series. Uh, it's been a while. We are so excited to be back, and we're really excited. Uh, to let you in on this conversation we got to have with Pastor Cyrus Rod, along with Pastor Dean Love, and as always, you got me and Scott here. And since we had Pastor Cyrus here for the men's conference this weekend, we had the privilege of sitting down and talking about some awesome stuff. You're going to hear us talk about men, the biblical definition, what is a real man. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about faith and the cultural differences and how that plays into all of those aspects. So uh, pull up a chair, get comfortable, and get in on the conversation. Pastor Cyrus, I'm so excited about this. So since we're excited, we're gearing up for men's conference, our first men's conference, and we are so pumped about this. Um, and you'll be speaking Saturday morning. I want to just jump right in with yes, sir. you defining a man. What is it in, in your mind when I say, or when I quote David, play the man? What do you think? <laughs> play the man. Now that's something very deep. That's something very deep. Play the man. Literally more than anything, it is about reflecting Christ. Because I am not the man, he is the man. So if I'm going to play the man, I'm going to be connected to who he is. And bring forth whatever Christ is, his character, his behavior, his attitude, Mm -hmm. and bring it forth. Man, that's real. And bring it forth. Because I... As a man, I'm created in his image. Mm. So I don't have my own image. Mm. (laughs) So when you tell me, play the man, then you're referring me to somebody else. I'm going to play the man who is the man. Come on. Not play a man. So these are two different things. The man, not a man. Yeah. Not a man. Mm. That one will pull in everything and... Like in Africa, everybody can say I'm a man. And one of the ways somebody tries to be a man is circumcision. Yeah. You know that do circumcision when, you've, when you're grown up, probably when you become a teenager. Then you've got to be ready. There are several tribes. You've got to be ready. And uh, they do everything. You move around to prove you're a man. And there's no anesthesia, nothing like that. Mm. It's about how much pain you can take in mm-hmm. without screaming, without crying, but just standing and being strong and gnashing your teeth and just saying, oh, man. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's a staff over here. You may not be practicing that, but over there it is practiced in many tribes. You're going to be a man. You stand out in public and everybody comes around. And then they bring a man, they bring a real knife, Mm. not any kind of blade. It's a real locally made knife. And they pull the foreskin and you're looking up and you are all spread out. You're standing strong. And the man cuts off your foreskin and all you're doing is 
gnashing your teeth and saying, yeah, mm -hmm. you don't allow a tear to drop because that will mean you're not a man. Wow. So all you do is you try to be a man by how much pain you can endure, how much pain you can take in. And a lot of them to this day believe they do dangerous things to prove they are men. Mm. Dangerous things. Men place themselves in danger, or boys, or these male guys, to prove they are a man. Because manhood is being equated to how much pain you can endure. Mm. Mm. The pain you endure, then we prove you're a man. And I think it is probably gone on probably even into this Western culture, depending on how much you can take in and you're like, I'm a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm a man. How much pain you can endure, how much pain you can endure. But when you look at the man that you're telling me to play, as scripture says, play the man, it was, it was more than how much pain he can endure. No, because you endure pain for you, but he endured pain for another. Mm -hmm. He endured pain for another, wow. but you endure pain for you to prove who you are. And that's how we, it's popular in Africa over there. Several riches to prove how much pain you can endure mm -hmm. to prove that you are a man. But Jesus endured the pain for you and me. Wow. Yeah. He never endured the pain for himself to prove that he was a man. No, he was a man who endured the pain. He was the man who endured the pain. So it's not the pain that makes us, but real men endure the pain. Yeah. They can go through it. Yeah. And why? Because that's the expression of love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I do not, you, you know, it's all twisted that the devil turns it the other way around. It's not that I go and try to look for the pain. No, like we do it in Africa. No, or probably here in the West. To prove I'm a man, we do dangerous things. I've had what y'all call here the dead devils. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. stuff like that. Ooh, yeah. those are men. Ooh, yeah. He can jump off a skyscraper. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing about manhood in that stuff. Come on. The real man, play the man, is... The image of Christ. We express the love. When the Bible mentions, describes love, the first description of it is long-suffering. Mm. In 1 Corinthians yeah. chapter 13, love is long-suffering. Mm. Another word for that is pain. And so a man is not about how much do I suffer. He doesn't ask for how much he suffers because he is in love. When I'm going to love you, you're going to do some stuff I don't like. Come on. That's real. But when you do the stuff I don't like, I'm not going to quit on you. Mm. Come on. I'm going to take up the pain that you cause by your behavior and I'm going to take it in because I believe you can be better. Come on. That's real. I believe you can be better, so I take in the pain you give me by your behavior. Mm -hmm. And I don't get mad at you, but I still believe that you have a future. 
I believe you can change. Mm-hmm. So I'm loving you. And this pain is sacrificing. I'm doing it because if I don't take that pain in for your sake, I will not be able to redeem you from where you are. But man, what you were saying though, that what our culture says as a man is being, has desensitized him. Uh-huh. Right? Because yeah. I gotta take all this pain for myself and I gotta hold all this in and I can't yeah. express to you that I hurt. Yeah. So it's made me insensitive to oh, people Lord. around me. Yeah. It's the genius of our enemy to take the man which was ordained to be able to be sent. Because the scripture that comes to mind is, we have not a great high priest yeah. who cannot be touched with Come on feelings. Now. Well, I've been trained, you hide feelings. Yeah. If I'm yeah, a man, men don't cry. Yeah. That's it, that's right? it. We were raised in that era here where men don't cry. You do not expose yourself. You do not express <laughs> yourself. Man. So the man that our culture created desensitized me to my children. Yeah. It desensitized oh, me man. as a pastor to my congregation. Yes, wow. It desensitized me so I can't be a true shepherd who cares. Yes. It's your teaching last night. Right. Yes. Why? Because I've been trained, if you're a man, man up. That's our uh-huh. American saying. Man up. Yeah. Uh, instead of being the what you where you headed with this, instead of being able to open up and receive your pain, yeah. And I think the way you're meaning that is I can't take your pain from you, but no. acknowledging you do have pain, so I'm not going to judge you while you're hurting because oh. that's not how you're at when you're healed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it. So I'm going to take it yeah. until that pain comes off of you, yes. and then you can be whole. Yeah. But if I'm that macho, man, I don't cry, you don't cry, that kid fell down, quit crying, boy. Yeah, <laughs> we train them from so so we are desensitizing. So, in order to be the man, a man has to die. Yeah, that's Ooh. it. That's yeah. it. In order for me to be play the man, this American man, you talking from an African culture. I'm talking from an American. He has to die to everything he knows and have been taught. And for that, for us men, yeah, is difficult. Yes, yeah, sir. But I can't play that the man. I like the way you started this yeah. off because I am a man. But the a man, the a American man, is dysfunctional. Yeah. And I can't be sensitive because I've been desensitized by my culture. Oh right? Lord. And the way you put it, you might think it's in America, but that's the, it's just well, the way okay. we approach okay. it. Because yeah. your culture has it in a different way. I mean, it yeah. uses different methods, yeah. mm-hmm. but targeting the same goal. Absolutely. We use different methods, but it's the same goal. Wow. Yeah. Whereby we take it in, I'm in the pain and then I endure it, I close up and I cannot open up. And that's, the, that's man. a man. I cannot open up, I cannot express myself. And I'm used to hiding all the feelings and the pain. And you, you said it well, I become desensitized and literally I fail to be the man, but the man came in and oh, he was Jesus. able to relate. To relate. He was able to come in and say, Touched. Touched by our infirmities. Mm. Touched. And he wept when he watched us. He wept. And for the man to come in, he came in to redeem. Mm. And the man, love, is purpose to redeem. To bring us out. There are things that I tell 
Many times couples, and I tell a man or a woman, a man comes in and says, you know what, this is just so tough and whatever. You don't know what she's done to me. She's done A, B, C and all yeah. this. And I say, you see, there's one thing. You say you love her. Yeah, I did, but you know, this is quite different. And I say, then you're not loving her yet. Whatever she's been doing was God pushing you away from our man, the way you've been living, the natural love, your ability to love so that it comes to an end. So God presses you until you come to the end of you. Oh, That's wow. real. And you love him. And wow. when you come to the end of you and you loving, then he can begin loving through you. Cyrus, you've done it again. You bring us all the way back to the point of our culture has taught the man to be totally independent because everybody's looking to me. Yeah. And we've even taught it in Scripture that that woman is my servant. She's supposed to submit to me. So I'm the hierarchy. <laughs> That's a lonely place to be. Lonely. Yeah. When I am God, yeah. Yeah. it's lonely to be in that position. Yes, but sir. we have taught ourselves to be so independent then dependence is a sign of weakness. Yeah. We've killed ourselves with that. So therefore, we can't even say our wives come to us like you're saying or our children. We can't even admit, you know what? I'm still dependent, but I'm dependent on a heavenly father. Amen. So even this whole man thing has robbed us of the ability to be dependent, and our independence has put us in a position we're not qualified to fulfill which is being gods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we can't be good fathers. Uh -huh. We can't be good husbands uh -huh. because we're manly independent of ourselves. Yeah. And that wow. within itself leads to frustration in men when, when inside them is that little boy who needs a daddy. Exactly. But my culture's taught me to be Not just needy. the opposite. Yeah. Not needy. And I can't Not. let you know I'm needy. Yeah. So even as Christian men... Yeah. It's robbed us of a sense of being vulnerable with one another and said, you know what? I'm totally dependent. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. tell you all right now, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. Yes. But the good news is there is someone up above me. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. the good news. When I'm at the top and there, and I feel like there's no one above me, yes. that is the most frustrating place to be. Yeah. That's true. That's and we'll true. glorify it as you the big dog. Mm, you know what? That's it. Being the big dog destroys us from being the man. The man in Christ <laughs> wow. Jesus. Robs us of our dependence upon him. And this culture's got to be changed. Yeah, that's right. By the word of God. Uh, absolutely. Not human philosophy. Not mm -hmm. human yeah. wisdom. Right. But the word of God. When you're able to stand in and you say, okay. I am open. A man, because you say we be, we've become desensitized mm -hmm. because all we do is take in all the pain. But you see, no man can take in all the pain for himself. When you do that, you die. Come on. It kills you. That's real. The only reason we can take in pain and not even be able to be defeated, but it goes on, is because. The pain is only taken in because we are giving out the love. Mm. But the ma a man is only taking it in to contain it. That's real. But you see, God doesn't allow us to contain the pain. 
No, he in love we take it in, but the only way is that it comes through as we release love. Wow. As we release love, pain literally just circulates and disappears through. It, it doesn't stay in us. Yeah. On the other hand, a man tries to contain it, and then diseases break out in us. High blood pressure, diabetes, all this stuff, because we That's try right. to That's take real. in yeah. and contain what God is not allowed to be contained in our bodies, but we believe we can prove that we are the man, but that's a man, like you say, who's been created by culture in the Western and in the African society, created by culture. How you can stand and endure and be heroic and do all this kind of stuff, but one thing we don't do is there's no love. Mm. Because the reality is whatever we're doing is all childish because we're doing it to get the applause and then the rest of the people are able to give us the praise like you've been saying, and we say, yeah, and then I'm going to survive on that. But the word of God is so clear. When I am loving you, I can be able to be patient. Yeah. I can be able to be patient. And the, mo the reason I'm patient is because I'm taking in whatever can be heartened to me, and it's painful, but I can be able to stand it because the joy is I am giving you love. I'm still believing in you. I'm still believing you are better. I'm still believing this is a process. Yeah. You are being changed. Come on. That's so good. And I think another thing we need to throw in right here is, uh, like we were just saying, if I'm totally independent, then I'm at the top. Yes, sir. As the man, as the father, as the, so I got to take all this pain. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not, I'm not able. I'm not qualified. So I need to realize I have a release. Yeah. And the release is, there is the man who took the pain. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yes, sir. But see, if I'm not man <laughs> enough to admit to my wife, you know what? I may not can understand you, but I know who does. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I may not can bear this broken heart of yours, yeah. but yeah. I know who can. Yeah. yeah. And so, see, there's the release. So I'm expressing love to her, my child, my fellow man, whatever the case, my coworker. I'm expressing that love. Exactly. But realizing you can pour all this on me. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Because I don't, I'm not so proud to think I can bear it. Uh-huh. When Jesus said, I bore your iniquities. Right. Yes. I bore your dysfunction. <laughs> yeah. I bore your crazy mindset. <laughs> so if I keep my position as a true man. Yes. A godly man. I always maintain the position of a mediator, not as God. That's true. Yes. Yeah. So now you're what you're bringing to me. Uh -huh. I'm not just piling it all on me. No, I'm transferring yeah. it to, to another. That's what Lindsay was in college for counseling, and that was one big thing she started realizing was the threefold relationships. Uh -huh. Does that make sense? Even worldly culture understands that. In psychology, they understand that the power of threefold relationships, which means three people. And wow. what they was talking about is three people. Yeah. What she started getting from it was trifold like we understood marriage a while back. Where my relationship with her is we have the mediator. We have God as well, right? right. So yeah. you're talking about like I can always turn to him when I'm relating with other people. My point. So yeah. you have this pain, but yeah. you have this 
you but have I, Jesus. I have, here to have a place to release it. Yeah. You have ready a place to take it away from Yes. If I didn't, I wouldn't need man. God. No. If man oh, was so man powerful, within himself man. and God within him, he wouldn't need that. That's so but good. here's the problem: what we started this conversation. Us men have been taught that's yeah. weakness. That's true. That's that's that. femininity, if you will. It's, oh Lord! You know, that's and, and it's robbed us. Right. I know in the us. military, when you go in the American military, they teach you otherwise. I understand why they do it because of the when when the stuff hits the fan. Does that make yeah. sense? They need you to not be lose yourself mm -hmm. in the circumstances, but be present and be able to do what you was trained to do, right? I understand that. But in a sense, it's had that negative effect where we desensitized all the men. That, that's why the military has such a problem with relationships and marriages. Yeah. Number one, deployments. And number two, you desensitize a man to make him a machine, yeah. right? Wow. So you turn this person into a machine. That will not be affected by anything. Yeah, they're great at conflict resolution in the middle of the moment, <laughs> but they're not great at relationships. They're not great at being so able to live and have a marriage sense. and something that thrives. They can't have it. If ma'am, go ahead. You were talking about being able to reflect that, so to speak, up to God, you know, yeah. the pain and the things like that. And we've translated that to the other way as well. We don't continue that with the glory and the praise and the you know what I mean like said, yeah, what, we, stop, want that applause. we can take the pain so guess what we get to take the glory we get to take yeah. the applause wow. but yeah. if I'm reflecting the pain and the struggle then I'm also reflecting well I couldn't handle it so I can't yes. take your praise That's yeah. if you're going to give some praise you need to go higher <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. you know what I mean yes sir uh, yes the sir we brought up earlier even Jesus said why do you call me good yeah. he had to reflect it on up on up, up. <laughs> there's somebody way above me. I'm not mm, the top. That's of this it. Thing. So that's it. Yeah, that's a powerful mm -hmm. thought. That's yeah, really good. that is good. You know, it's got to go back over there, and 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 it's so real to us when we come out and say that we're the man, and we're gonna reflect it like you've brought it out. Desensitization, and you mentioned the military aspect. My Lord, this is what has destroyed manhood. But it's so amazing that everything as we see it, before God, it's called immaturity. Man. Wow. It's called immaturity. Mm. Because it's not because we can grow in the body and our bodies go up, but we're still immature because as long as we are not dependent on him, we are taking the pain and think we can contain it. And then we, we, we the only thing that soothes us the containment of the pain is the applause. That's right. true. So we say when we get the little thing, we go, oh yeah, that was worth it. Oh, <laughs> worth I can day. hold on another day. I can wow. hold on another day because we get some little applause. Mm. I say I can hold on another day, but we are immature. We are dying, yeah, and on. this is the real change. This is what Paul said. He said, "When I was a child, I thought like a child. Mm -hmm. When I was a child, I thought like a child." spoke like a child, acted like a child. Mm -hmm. But when I become a man, <laughs> I put childish ways behind me. Mm -hmm. And a child is all about me, myself, and I. Mm -hmm. right. And all this containment or all this macho desensitization is that we have actually become desensitized towards everybody else, and that's what a child is. A child is not 
being sensitive to you because they love you. <laughs> no. A child is being sensitive to you because they, they, they've not yet even known what love is. They like you. Yeah. <laughs> because the day you take stuff they want from them, they don't like you. They don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> now you see, and that's what happens with a child. Right. And this is a man that culture has developed. Who is a child? Who is a baby? Who is a boy? Mm. Desensitized. Mm. Has nothing, no sensitivity towards others. And that means he has stepped away from love. When Paul says, when I became a man, he's literally saying maturity is, love is the expression of maturity. Wow. Maturity expresses itself in love. Wow. Because he says all that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. Mm -hmm. But when I became a man, that means when I was able to express love and lay down my life for another and in moments whereby, because the Bible says love is not cruel, okay? Yeah. That means it's kind. So love or kindness is love reacting. Yeah. That's good. True. That's good. That's good. Is love reacting? Mm -hmm. But all this cannot happen. Patience is love believing in you having a future. It, it can't happen because of what you started off with. This man we've created can't do any of that. Thank and here's you. the deal. And he Test remains a child. Testosterone is a great <laughs> gift from God. Yes, sir. And it can become our greatest enemy because... Uh, you know, it just gives us our drive and our ambition, mm -hmm. and, and but it's created a spirit of competition within us. Mm, and here's real. the way it is with a man: that's real. if you're good at a thing, you're gonna you're gonna jump in there. Mm -hmm. But if you're not good at it, you're gonna hide. Mm -hmm. oh. If I feel like I'm good at that, let me get in there. Let me get in there. Yes. But if I'm not good, I'm gonna sit over here on the sideline. I'm gonna hide back here because I don't want nobody to know I'm not good at that. Yeah, it'll make well, you not even help. Yeah, it, it'll make you not engage on, on any level, right? And so we've created this mindset. And that's why we have absentee fathers, mm. absentee husbands, mm. because we don't feel like we're good at it. Yeah. And if I'm not excelling at it, I'm going to hide from it. Oh, Lord. We're hiding in our own homes from our wives. Yes. We're hiding from our Come children. On, that's yeah. real. Because yeah. I'm not good at that. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm hiding is because I haven't been taught properly. Because I'm supposed to be... The, the independent top dog, top dog instead of being the humble man that comes to his children and openly says, you know what? I don't know how this situation is supposed to handle, yes. but I have a heavenly father that Hallelujah. does. And now I'm teaching that son how to be a man. Come That's on. it. That's and now he's not going to be afraid of a relationship. Mm. Uh -uh. He's not going to be afraid because he don't have to depend on his own self. Mm -hmm. I have the perfect heavenly Hallelujah. father to teach me how to be a father. Yeah. Uh, he said in Isaiah or Jeremiah 1, I'm going to be a husband to you. Well, you yeah. know what? I don't have to be afraid. That's it. I don't have to hide out. I don't have to be a, hide, a hiding husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can learn from the, the husband of all. Amen. And, uh, Amen. So we've created a broken system 
that has to be broken. Yeah. <laughs> you following me? Yeah. Yes, sir. And it can only be broken with the raising the man back up. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. Through the word of God. But in order to do that, we have to step out of a geographical culture. Yes. Into a biblical culture. Yes. And it's the greatest divide ever known to man. Mm-hmm. If there's there's what's between that divide is a cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this man that I know has to be hung there. Mm. <laughs> that's right. That's it. I that's have it. to kill him because he was created by the flesh. Yeah. Yes. So that I can Josh his message and uh, journey through the cross. So it can take me to another dimension. Yes. And when I really learn what it is to be a man, which is total dependence. Yes. I can breathe. I can relax to know, you know what? I can win this. Why? Because you said he won it. I can be that great dad because he was a great father or is a great father. I can be that great husband. Well, you were saying that reminds me of what Pastor Cyrus brought up last night with the leaders of motivating flesh. What we've done in churches (laughs) is we've just tried to come up with new ways to motivate men. Yeah. It's just motivate you to be a part of the church when in reality we don't need to motivate the flesh of the man. <laughs> that needs it. to be crucified. That's yeah. it. We need to raise up the new man. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's man, that's so real. It is good. That that's is very good. good. And you know when you mention that, we, we need to see this new man coming up. And you mentioned the new man, I like the that. old man is now <laughs> hiding. We hide away because we don't believe we need to depend on somebody. Come on, that's real. And that's why we're meeting situations where men are so much buried in their work. Yeah. And they have no time to sit down with their wife Mm. or children Mm. and tell them this is what is happening. Because, and the excuse is, I'm so busy, I'm doing all this for you. Mm -hmm. But in actual sense, they are hiding. Hit out. Man, that's good. They are hiding. I'm doing all this for you because I got to pay all these bills. I got to do all this. That's Don't real. you like it? I mean, last time I took you to the vacation, I did all this for you. I bought all this for the children. I did all this. No, yeah. no. That yeah. is not what the man must be. You got to calm down and love your wife and love your babies and trust that God can you can only provide what God provides through you. So you are not even the provider. You are just a conduit that yeah. God uses. But the problem is because you're not depending on him. That's why what he gave you feels disconnected from you. Mm-hmm. And you don't see the connection to you. You think, no, it's okay. I give you everything. I give you everything, but you're running up and down, trying to make ends meet. But in real sense, as you're running up and down and making achievements, that's where the world has said, that's what makes a man. A man needs to achieve, which is a lie. That's true. Man is not a man based on his achievement. That spirit to achieve is all dependent on our ability on our failure to depend right. on the achiever, mm-hmm. on the one who achieved. Wow. And, and let's throw this in there for men. We want to be so independent. Yes. So we can't even acknowledge we need God to ascend. 
<laughs> so let's take it a little deep, uh, deeper. We as men need our wives. Yeah. <laughs> I need you. The reason I can walk off from you is because I don't think I need you. That's real. It is not good for man to be alone. Come on. I'm going to create you a help meet. Yes, sir. I'm going to create someone who compliments you, completes you, enables you to reach the full dimension of who you are. Yeah. Not in our society. We taught ourselves, I'm the man, and I don't need this, this, and this. So I need to go from, number one, I need God. Yeah. Number two, I need to look at my wife and say, I'm not... You're not a subordinate to me. Come on. You're not Thank subservient. You. Thank you. You, you <laughs> I need you to reach my full potential. That's real. That's that's foreign to us men. Oh, See the, so I can't leave you. Yeah. Yes, sir. Like I one, need you. One, I may not like you right now, but I gotta have you. If you take a man's influence in our culture, right, over the household, just the way we we see it a lot where we're at, right? Yeah. A man's influence, somebody that's desensitized like that. Now, you think he didn't start creating that in his wife? Oh, yeah. See what I'm saying? Oh, that yeah. Desensitizing? Is that he, not, he's he not desensitizes his own wife. Yeah. Because that's what he has. He desensitizes his own wife. Then, in the end, he blames his wife for Come whatever on. is going on. <laughs> when, in actual sense, he desensitized himself yeah. towards God. And he started desensitizing his own wife towards him. And wow. then stand back and call that dude a man. No. <laughs> that is what no. Paul calls. <laughs> call you that see, a man. You see, to God, according to the Bible, God doesn't, the Bible doesn't have a child or an adolescent and a man. The Bible has only two places, a child and a man. Mm. You're either a child or you're a man. Yeah. Wow. It doesn't have boys in there. Hmm. It doesn't have boys in there. But this culture has told us that there is a point when somebody can be so stupid, but don't hold them responsible for their actions because they're not yet men. Yeah. Allow them to be stupid during that time because if you don't allow them to be stupid during the time, they're going to be stupid when they're 40. Yeah, we call it sowing our wild oats. Now, that is where the problem is. Now, we've allowed a breed of people that cannot even be explained. Yeah. Because we don't want them to be men. So, we've created this thing that doesn't take responsibility for anything. They're not children, mm -hmm. so we think, but we think they're in between. Mm -hmm. But throughout the Bible, you look at where the man starts. At age of around eight, Samuel was brought to serve God. At eight. Wow. David anointed king as a teenager. Yeah. Joseph called upon as a teenager. Mm. Jeremiah called as a teenager. And in all this, God is building manhood <clears throat> as early as possible. Yeah. And it says, take eyes off you. 
And that's how he builds it. Take eyes off you. This is not about you. When you take eyes off you, then you cannot be self-centered, which mm. is the characteristic of the child. So when you take eyes off you, you bring eyes to me who created you. Now, when you look to me, you become sensitive. And then you receive from me, then you can be able to release and supply to others. Wow, man. Wow, 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 wow. And it begins early. That's why he told Jeremiah, don't you say you're a child. Yeah. Don't you say you're a child. And if we can let this man begin starting as early as possible, the better. I know people are going to say, oh, they're going to lose their childhood. No, you don't know what it means. There's nothing to be lost. Come on. There's nothing to be lost but everything that you don't need. Yeah. Selfishness. Playing around doesn't mean you're, you're a child. Even adults can play. Yeah. You know? Yes, adults can play. But the reality is that the man has to be groomed as early as possible. And we forget about the world telling them, let them become, give them time, they will get over it. Give them time, they will get over it. No, they're not getting over anything. They're being grounded in something very wrong. That is self-centeredness. Come on. Wow. Self-centeredness. And Paul said, I thought like a child. That means all I thought about was myself. Mm -hmm. I spoke like a child. What's in it for me? Mm -hmm. I acted like a child. I don't care about anybody. Mm -hmm. Those are my actions. And all that is a child. What is Paul saying? Somebody's going to be thinking, oh, Paul says that he's doing all that stuff because he's Paul. And, you know, he, he, you know, he said he was a child. But you got to understand that as a child... The stuff that Paul did remember at that particular age. So Paul is addressing himself as a child to things he could remember so well. Right. Yeah. And when he does that, he says the only opposite of this is a man. The man. Not thinking about myself. Not pursuing my own goals. Mm. But yielding to one greater than me. Then he brings sensitivity to me. Then I'm able to be sensitive to others. Then I'm able to reach out and love them. Because now it has started with the man upstairs. I'm learning the dependence. Yeah. I'm depending on him. Yeah. So literally, I would say that as much as we reach out and we want to see the man and we want to break the broken system, is we're going to have to start early and eliminate the justification of this child, that wow. of this creature we don't understand, that we call adolescence, that we don't understand because actually it's not in the Bible. Yeah. But this is part of what has destroyed the people that are supposed to become men because we justify their behavior, their selfishness. We call it adolescence yeah. yeah we say hormones are happening in them stuff yeah. is happening in them you know you let them you know but you see when you are young you're a young man mm -hmm. not a child mm -hmm. right and that's why 
the wise man said in Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of your youth. That's a time that God captures his people. When they begin understanding, he wants to capture you. Yeah. So he's saying, he's not saying remember God. He doesn't say God. He uses the word creator, which means remember the one who created that stuff in you. Whatever you're feeling boiling in you is not even yours. Somebody put it in you. Wow. Those hormones are not even yours. The passions you feel are not even yours. You Come can't on. use them like you want. Come on. So you can't think like a child that <laughs> it's all about you. That's it's real. all about That's you. Real. No, no. First discover, why am I like this? Yeah. Don't settle for biology that says that's adolescence and that's uh, puberty. No, there's something deeper. The one who created them is saying, I put stuff in you and I want to use it now. Can you come to me? That's a voice. That's the way to tell you I created you. Mm. So now come and yield to me before the world can pump stuff in you and derail you that by the time you want to be a man, it is, you've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And to many, you've destroyed yourself. Wow. But as a young person, Acknowledge me as your maker. I created the passions. I created the stuff. That's in you. real. How do I use it? Uh, man, to me, you're explaining the Jewish culture of a bar mitzvah. Yeah. Bar mitzvah uh -huh. is at 13 years old, 12 to 13 oh, years Lord. old. Oh, Lord. Wow. And bar wow. mitzvah literally means son of the commandment, son of the what? word. So they would take phylacteries and put it in a box and tie it around their head. Uh -huh. the scripture and they had one on their left arm because it's the and it wrapped and it had a piece of leather and it wrapped all the way around your arm down to wrap around one of your fingers uh -huh. and it had the word of God in it so that exemplified at 13 instead of going off sowing wild oats <laughs> yeah. you become a son of the commandment a son uh -huh. of the word on your forehead means you had it in your mind uh -huh. but not just head knowledge you had it in your heart which affected what you do with your hands. Yeah. So that's the Jewish culture. That's oh, Lord. so contrary to our culture that yeah. they stepped out of being a child into being a son of the commandment. Look at and that. now my feelings and emotions, my minds, my thoughts are governed by by the word, the word of God. That makes so much sense though when you think about what we call adolescence, right? That yeah. 13 years old, 12 years old when kids hit that yeah. We've tried to explain it. Right? That's it. And we've understood it from science, right? Which is not, that's going on, but trying to explain it and handle it in such a logical way. Yeah. Instead of turning to God and being like, God yeah. put that in them. And he right. can and surely <laughs> teach them how to manage that. That's it. In a healthy way, right? That's very true. And the way you that's put good, it out, man, it is so so I, I've never heard of that. Oh yeah, that wow. is so beautiful. You called it what in Jewish? Bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. Mm -hmm. It's so amazing that they grab them go, at thirteen. When you yes. go from a child, the, you're so a man, man then. You're a man. You're a man. Then and you you're a to, you're a son of the commandment. Son of the commandment. That's what that means. means you're dependent now. Yeah, right. on the word. On the word. On the not, word. Not just knowing it. Yeah, that's yeah. Rich. Not just knowing <laughs> it, but rich. but doing it. Yeah. Doing it. Because it comes to your mind, 
to your heart, yeah. and then to your hands to do, to your yeah. heart to believe, mm -hmm. to yeah. your mind to it receive, to your heart to believe, to your hands to do, mm -hmm. Lord. Wow. Yeah. Now this totally comes in so much with the Word of God. <laughs> yeah. I'd never heard of that. I, I was just sharing something God has what shown me, totally but I'd never heard of that, and it has blown me away. <laughs> that's what, I mean, you think about it, though, that's why the Jewish people did that, because they had that same revelation. Yeah. That it wasn't, yeah. we didn't go, like you said, through this third phase. That made a phase that just say, doesn't make sense yeah, at all. Right. Manhood starts. Is what they yeah. manhood yes. starts right. At Thirteen. So there is a process, but that manhood starts. That accountability starts. Yeah. Right? Right. That yielding starts right there. Right. And see, it's uh, to add to you know your whole theme is so scriptural that uh, you're technically not as a Jewish boy. You're not considered a son until the bar mitzvah. Yeah. You're just a child. Yeah. That's why so, Paul wrote the way whoa. he did. Right. When he said, whoa. when I was a child, yeah. I thought as a child. Okay. Yeah. Oh, listen, they're with you. Paul also wrote in Galatians 4. An heir, as long as he is a child, <laughs> he don't operate as a son. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He operates as a slave. Shit, slave. A servant. Mm -hmm. That's until it. the appointed time of the father. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, because up to then he said he's under governors and tutors. But after his bar mitzvah, he now exercises the religious rights in the sanctuary as a Jewish boy. He yes. now can deal the bread. He now can do the communion. Yeah. Uh, and to me, think, so much of that screaming what we talked earlier of the generational mindset. Yeah. Those fathers had to, it was on that Prepped father. Them. That's you know what good. I mean? To bring them into that manhood, to yeah. put the word around that their arm, it. to put the word in their heart, to yeah. put the word in their mind. That was on the father. So it became this generational, you know, yes. this perpetual. It just kept. It's like as they was a child, they was learning the word. Yeah. They was yes. getting it. Under governors and yes. Right? Under governors and tutors. Until they became to that that bar mitzvah level. It was so intense. We're going to start doing this here. Like we're going to, we yeah. need this here so it affects here. Now there's accountability. Right? Yeah. So now you cannot just run around. You're yeah. held accountable for every thought. Yeah. So you got to now play the man. Play yeah. the man now. Yeah. <laughs> and you think about what we know as maturity. That's what it keeps bringing up to me is like when you read scripture about maturity, it's such a dependency. Right? Mm -hmm. Totally dependent. And that's that's what we're getting out of this is like this this comes from a level of all right, I was dependent on my father to, to teach me this stuff. Yeah. Now I depend on God. Yeah. I depend on God to help me get this stuff here and affect yeah. all of this. That word have I hid in my heart. Absolutely. That I may not that see. That I may not sin against you. Yeah. So total dependence. Yeah. I got it on my forehead at my bar mitzvah, and I got it wrapped on my arm. It's in my heart. Yeah. So that goes back to what we started this. I know we need to move on to another question, but that the man we created is totally independent. So he blocked all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Which made him dysfunctional, which has got him in hiding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he wasn't designed to be independent. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I don't know if you need to move on or whatever, but that's some good stuff. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. We, we could spend all day talking yeah, about that. Yeah, we could. <laughs> We've done spent most of the morning. Uh, We've, we've brought it up a lot, and, and I want to 
I want to hear you <clears throat> unlock this. We've we've mentioned several times already in this podcast the cultural differences. We keep saying that. I mean, you're coming from a total different culture in Africa. We are here yeah. in the Western culture, and there's and whether we realize it or not, those cultures have a huge impact on us. You know what That's I mean? That's very on, true. On how we approach situations, how we approach very them. true. And I think it's had a huge impact, uh, probably in the negative, uh, and how we approach faith. You yes, know what I mean? Sir. How we see faith and handle faith and, and yes, what sir. our faith looks like and feels like. So so with that understanding culturally, you know what I mean? Uh, yes, biblically, sir. however, uh, I want to hear your, your approach to that on faith and, and the differences between the way our cultures approach it. I believe, not just thinking, but I really believe that looking at the culture from which I come from, and looking at the Western culture, the Western culture is designed to eliminate faith in God. Wow. God. It's designed to eliminate faith in God. And back over there, based on the way everything is, I mean, it will just force you to have faith in God. You see the difference? Yes, sir. Your culture, your environment here is designed to eliminate faith in God. An environment over there forces you to have faith in God. Mm-hmm. If you're going to leave. Right. Yeah. Because over here, everything works out in a manner like, you know what? Because in the early days of this nation, that's how things were not like they are today. Yeah. It was a different culture. Yeah. It was all about God. In God we trust. Yeah. And those men and women trusted God and they dared God beyond and against all hope and a great nation came forth. But when it came forth, it was so blessed. I said, do we really need God? Do yeah. we really need God? Wow. Yeah. No. As he gave them more knowledge, they felt like, we really don't need this man. Because I just think about it and I'm there. I just think about it, and this is what happens. But in actual sense, when they were running away from God and killing the faith, right. and killing the faith. And what was happening is they ran away, started killing the faith. I heard you took prayer out of schools. You did everything because it doesn't really make sense. This whole thing is about me. Wow. <laughs> this whole thing is about me. It's not about some creature somewhere. And that's why when knowledge started increasing, not they became puffed up. Everybody started thinking, oh yeah, I think actually there's no God. It all started with a big bang. Yeah. Boom, and things happened. But the problem is the bang stopped. And then thing is still continuing. And today, when all that happened, God eliminated Put aside, and many people are going to say, oh no, I believe in God, I go to church. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Not, it's not just the atheists who don't know God. Come on. It's those who claim to know him, but do not act based on what he says. Mm-hmm. And that means there is no faith. Wow. wow. They don't have faith in him. They go to church, they bring tithes, they bring offerings, they sing in the choir, but they don't have faith in him. And now, when they get to those levels, 
That's your culture. It has accepted that as a way of life. When you come to over us, Lord, there's nowhere you're going to run. Over here, the government is going to feed you. Over there, the government ain't going to feed nobody. Come on. Over here, if you don't work, you got whatever food stamps or the government pays you to just be there. Over there, no government pays you because you don't work. No government watches over you. Come on. Because you don't have a job. No. So you're going to need God to uphold you. If it takes him to open the windows of heaven and bring food down, if there's some food up there, then he better do it. Yeah. That's real. You get what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Because mm -hmm. over here, whatever you get, I mean, your environment, your culture has told you can fix this whole thing. You watch and all you hear is, even when you've been in debt and God has allowed you to go to the age, Somebody's going to come out. Bad debt, poor debt, no debt, whatever. We can help you. Come on. Mm -hmm. So God doesn't have an opportunity. Every time he leads you to the wilderness, somebody's Bails coming to out. bail you out. Wow. wow. <laughs> Look at the dilemma. How did you say that when you started this, that our society is, is designed to destroy faith? Yes. Eliminate faith. Eliminate faith. Because look at the dilemma of God, and it's the dilemma from the beginning. He said, okay, I'm going to bring you out of bondage, and I'm going to take you into a land. You're going to drink from wells you didn't dig. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to eat from gardens you didn't plant. And he was saying, so please, don't forget. Don't forget. Wow. So God's in a dilemma of, I want to bless you beyond measure. Mm -hmm. But I know the dangers of the blessings can eliminate your trust and confidence in me. That's it. That's From the very beginning. And I, when you started talking, I thought of the scripture. It says, but Israel, it talked about all the blessing God poured on them. Yeah. It said, Israel waxed fat. Yeah. And kicked against God. He said, you are waxing fat. You have grown thick. You're covered with fatness. Mm, he what said, verse is that? He said, this is Deuteronomy 32, 15. Okay. Then you forsook God which made you and lightly esteemed the rock of your salvation. Mm. You become so blessed, you didn't need to fall down on your knees and pray. No more. You become so blessed that you lightly esteemed the very rock. From which you were hewn. You were hewn. That, that blessed you. Man, that's so good. So the challenge yeah. is not, and, and, and I want to throw this in here. Yeah. The first trip I made to Africa was when with you. It was with before 2007. I came. And uh, uh -huh. when I flew into Africa and seen the poverty yes, sir. of Uganda, I was in culture shock. And because of my, I didn't realize how my gospel was tied to things. Things. <laughs> I didn't know what to preach. <laughs> Literally, this is what I was going through. And when I seen the poverty, and in the poverty, I seen the passion of the church. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Irrespective I of the poverty. I passion in poverty that almost poverty had created a level of passion. 
and uh -huh. faith. Yeah. And I said, God, what do I preach? And he spoke to me as clear as we're talking right here in this. He said, I want you to preach on the poverty of America and the riches of Africa. Wow. That's and it. I began to preach how impoverished we were. Yeah. Because our faith was wow. in such a state of poverty. Yeah. And I began to preach on the riches of Uganda, Africa. Amen. Because they were rich in faith. Yeah. Yes. And it was like a paradigm shift for me. Yes, sir. And now as you talk, I can see that our culture has created a mindset to where, you know, mm -hmm. I really don't have to be totally dependent upon God because yeah. I can depend upon culture. Yeah. Yes, sir. So have we not lifted our government higher than the God we serve and lightly esteemed him because I know I can be bailed out. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you when you mention that. God never created the government to take care of his people. Mm -hmm. That's real. I agree. Yes, sir. That is a in powers. God created that people would look to him and that the government would lead people to him. That's real. That's real. And not the government becoming the God. The God. When it becomes the God, it all zeroes down to sin. One thing that really challenged my life and brought me to faith in God, even though I was in Africa, the environment, like you mentioned, the cultures are different. And I believe if Africa is to get blessed and see all these things America has gotten to, if we're not careful, we're going to kick against That's God. That's for real. Wow. Because people never forget God when they are in want and when they're in poverty. Yeah. People only forget God when prosperity comes in. Yeah. And that's why he says, you make sure you don't forget me when I bless you. Yeah. Yeah. When I bless you, make sure you don't forget me. Mm -hmm. And he says in Romans, everything that is not done in faith is sin. sin. Today, if you're going to build a church, you're going to talk to the bank. That's real. You're going to say, hey, bank, uh, we can. We have good debt. We, we have the potential. We have all this. We have all that. And the bank going to give you money. And you're going to raise up a building. Mm. Back home, if you're going to build a church, <laughs> you don't talk to no bank. You talk to God. You got to talk to God. Oh, yeah. wow. You got to talk to God and let God open doors. How? You don't have to know. You just have to talk to God. Yeah. If you're going to buy land, you just get on your knees and you talk to God, say it to him, mm. and that will be all. If you get sick. You got, oh. There ain't no medical help. That's free. I'm telling you, that's, oh, free for what? <laughs> <laughs> they ain't your mama, they ain't your papa. You go, you're, that's up to you. If you die, you die. Yeah. Free for what? Wow. That's real. You get sick. Sure you got to hold God. on to faith. 
I've gone through all this number of times and whatever. I mean, I've, the day I was coming, I went through the airport through Dubai, then came over here to the United States, and I started, I say, what is this? I developed a sore throat. Mm. That was so bad that I could hardly swallow anything. And I said, Father, by your stripes I was healed. By your stripes I was healed. By your stripes I was healed. Mm. By your stripes I was healed. I held on to that, I held on to that, I held on to that. And I'm telling you, I could feel the symptoms, the word, the cold and what, but I held on to faith that today I can be able to speak to you. Today I can be able to speak out. All of them symptoms just kept disappearing. Wow. Tell us one of probably a million. Tell us one instance to yeah. where you had no food in your house and you had to trust God to bring it, and he brought it. Thank God you say it, one of the instances. Yes, I, I know there's many, but just where you had to, you didn't have those any food time, stamps. That was a time, oh, no food stamps. That was a time, nobody gives you food stamps back home. That was a time, I was with my wife and we were at home. It was a weekend, it was a Saturday. The following day, Sunday, we gotta go to church. Mm. Saturday, we're at home. We've done whatever we've done. And that was a trying week. That was what? A trying week. Trying week. Yes. And so, in other words, tested, hardly having anything. But God was providing us. I mean, whatever we had was being used up up to that Saturday morning. Up to that Saturday morning. So, I get around to the kitchen and I'm with my wife and... She says, we bless God that this kitchen has something. That this kitchen has something. And the kids were there. They didn't know whatever was going on. They had eaten. And they said, what's happening? We told them, we're going to trust God for food. They looked at us. They're still young. They looked at us. The eldest son knew it because we told him that early enough. We're going to trust God in this as usual. So we started praising God. I remember started, God has given me grace to compose songs and everything. When I looked around, I looked at my wife and I said, I know I depend on somebody. I am not the final man. Yeah. I depend on somebody. And I started singing. Just out of nowhere, I just started saying, I was young, and now I'm older. Never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. I was young, and now I'm older. And my wife, she's not so good with music. She was saying, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I said, honey, it is all well. We have food in this whole kitchen. God has given us food over here. God has given us food because the Bible says you call the things which be not as, as though they were. Yeah. And that's what faith is. Faith has got to be expressed in words. If you don't say it out, you do not release it. Wow. So whatever faith that is not released is not faith at all. Wow. Faith is not something you hide and you say God knows what. 
is in my heart. Wow. No, no. <laughs> you That's got so to real. say it the out. The word is not even in your mouth. To speak, speak it, it out. Speak it. Because when you speak it out, then you are releasing it to the situations around you. Because everything around you, whatever you see, was made out of what spoken. was not seen. Spoken word. God spoke it. Mm-hmm. So if whatever I see was made out of what I don't see, then I need something I want to see. So I'm going to speak out of what is not seen in order to bring what I see. Yeah. You get it? Yeah. yeah. So I released the faith. My wife released the faith. We stood there. And it was about around about 2 p.m. And then, of course, the kids needed milk, then needed food, then needed all this stuff. And we were there in that house, not going anywhere. You don't call nobody. You don't know who to talk to but God. Mm. And suddenly my phone rings because I spoke and it ended. And I said, now I trust because I'm persuaded. And the problem with our faith is that many times it's big, but we don't get persuaded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you got to be persuaded. That means you know beyond a reasonable doubt that God ain't a liar. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so I spoke, then rested, and refused any negative thoughts. Because mm. at that point, the devil was speaking my mind, now, what have you gotten? And I said, I refuse you, devil. You're a liar because I spoke and I know we have food. Then my phone started ringing. And I said, What is this? Then I had somebody hooting at the gate, blowing their horn. That's what you call it here in America. (laughs) At the gate. Then I said, Okay, I know this guy. And so I pick up the phone. And he says, hey, pastor, how are you? I said, I'm doing so wonderful. How about you? He said, oh, man, it's been two years since we last talked. We prayed together. My family was going down. But, man, don't think I forgot you. I say, oh, come on, it's okay. I'm all good. God is with me. And I wasn't telling him anything going on here because I had spoken the faith. And now... Uh, he he just called. I had taken two years without hearing from him. And then he says, are you at home? I told him, yes. Are you the person at the gate? He said, yeah. Can you open for me? Let me just say hi. Just a minute. I said, no problem. So I stepped out, opened the gate for him. He came in because in Africa, most of our houses are f- aged up, you know, walls mm-hmm. with a gate. Mm-hmm. So he came in. He drove in and he stopped and he said, just forgive me. I was coming about 200 miles away from here, something like that. And I was driving and God spoke to me and he said, I want you to go and see Pastor Rod. And I said, but God, I have so much to do. And he told me, not only that, I want you to do shopping groceries for him. (laughs) And he said, I had to stop and please I'm on the road. I'm running. Allow me to bring this. I don't know. You might not need it, but God told me to bring it. I looked at him. 
I kept quiet. I was silent. <laughs> and I just called my wife out. There were bunches of banana. Come on, man. There was wow. sugar. There was milk. Come there on. was bread. There was tomatoes. There was onions. This guy did full grocery shopping. <laughs> Everything we needed. Rice, what? And our kitchen received again. Wow. wow. And our children ate. Mm. And that is one of the incidences. Of many, huh? Of many. Okay, so that explains why you said that our culture is designed to eliminate faith. Uh, because the need provoked the prayer. Yeah. Of faith. And yeah. if the need had have never been there, you would not have experienced God on that level. Thank he you. told the children of Israel, God said this. Yes. I'm leading you in the wilderness and I'm going to cause you to go hungry. Yes, sir. Not the devil, not the spirit of poverty. Thank you. Not the spirit of lack. Wow. The spirit of God said, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cause you to go hungry so I can feed, feed you real. and show yes. you something. Yes. So if you're living in a society where there is the need is always ministered by another de another source, then it robs you of that faith. That's absolutely but true. But before we get off of this, and you could go on and on with those testimonies, the reason the faith of Africa is so high. Mm -hmm. uh, before we get off of this, we don't want to dem demonize the blessing. Oh, no. Right? He yeah. told oh, Abraham, no. I want to bless you to be a blessing. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So the challenge of faith is to be able to navigate the famine and the prosperity. Yes, sir. Hence, we yes, have sir. Joseph. Yes. Because of That's the good. foreknowledge That's and good. the foresight, mm -hmm. he didn't allow the famine to destroy. Yes. But he didn't allow the blessing to destroy. Yes, sir. And what we find is the perfect uh, uh, balance of navigating the famine and the prosperity yeah. by the Spirit of God. Yes. Because we talked about it yesterday. God wants us to be blessed, but for a reason. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So that we can be the conduit mm -hmm. and the blessing. So yes. we can be an extension of it. So that's what we want to be clear here. We're not demonizing America. Oh, no. Up yeah. Africa. We don't want to uh, glorify poverty. Oh, no. Yeah. In any sense. No, but sir. there is a balance to where we can maintain faith. He didn't say the rich man couldn't go to heaven. Mm -mm. He just said it would be difficult. That's it. And the reason it's difficult because I have something else to put my faith in. Wow. Yeah. That's very so true. So let's find that balance in closing out this. And if you have any more questions on that, <clears throat> maintaining a faith that is able to enjoy the blessings and God still be the main blessing. The object of your faith. There you go. The object. And I believe what we need at this point is not demonizing, like you say, the blessing. Mm -hmm. and not glorifying the poverty, mm -hmm. but being able to get a balance. Mm -hmm. One thing I've realized is the balance comes in only in one way, still faith. Mm -hmm. That when the blessing comes, you don't establish yourself around it. Yeah. But have the ability to remember, I must take an opportunity to go and bless somebody else. That's real. Good. That's real. That's very good. When I get this and then go 
take it to another. I am still in a position that allows me to activate who my source is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And stay as a conduit that I am blessed to bless. Yeah. I am blessed to bless. So yeah. I keep going back to the one who brings the blessing. Mm-hmm. That's why when Abraham was blessed with a son, what God would do is bring him out and say, give me your son. This man was in faith. He was walking in faith, but God was ready to take him to another level yeah. in faith. God had already called him my friend, right. but that was still a lower level yeah. in faith. My friend, and then he blessed him, and he gave him stuff. And he said, okay, come. I need that stuff. I need your son. This is where all inheritance, his posterity, was. Yeah. But Abraham said, I'm not going to hold on to this boy. Even when God asked, he said, here is the son. Mm-hmm. Here is the son. What it, you gave me. What, what you, you gave me. me with. What yeah, you blessed me with. I'm willing, I can, I'm willing to give it back. I'm willing to surrender it. Yeah. It takes you to another level. And that's when God said, from just saying, this is my friend, to saying, now I know you. That's awesome. Uh, I think that's the positive. The negative uh, of that would be when God, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they came out healed, delivered, and blessed. They come out very rich and wealthy. But in the wilderness, in the delay of Moses being on the mountain, they took their blessing, formed it into a God, (laughs) and began to worship it. Yeah. Exactly. There's the negative of it. Yes, sir. Of taking the things he... I was a slave. Think Honestly. about it. Honestly. Two days ago, a week ago, three months ago, whatever it was, they were in total poverty, bondage, hence our sin before we got saved. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And, 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 and God blessed me with all this. And now here I am turning around. I'm molding it, and I'm turning it into a calf, and I'm saying, this is my God. That's the dangers of the blessings of God mm-hmm. when we turn our focus from Him, the true object of worship, yes. to worshiping my stuff. Okay, what's the practical way of worshiping my stuff? Because none of us is going to build an image and bow down to it. But I'm worshiping my stuff when it, become, when it comes between my devotion to my God. That's Thank real. you. Thank You're you. using the word faith, which is yes. what it's all about, right? Yes. When my... I lightly esteem what used to, I highly esteemed, and I start highly esteeming yeah. the stuff that God gave me to yeah. the part that is robbing me of intimacy with God, yeah. relationship with God, yeah. robbing me of my faith in God. Yes, sir. And so, um, so I submit it could be harder to maintain faith in prosperity than yeah. in poverty. Yeah. It, it, so we as Americans have to understand that. It really sums it up what we was talking about. I know we didn't talk about it on here, but we was talking about earlier. You said we take ownership versus seeing it as stewardship. Yes, that's it. So it, yeah. it, if we was living in blessing, point. total blessing, and we always see ourselves as just stewards, that's then we can embrace Proverbs when right. he talks about don't count on it. It's all going to go away. It comes and goes. All this stuff comes and goes. But we know that we're just stewards to bless somebody else. He gives us this. We yeah. bless somebody else. We're always turning it back out because we Thank understand you. he's going to keep giving. 
that, that's three key turn. Yeah. Right? But when I'm an owner, I get stingy. Right. I turn back as a child, and I'm like, well, I need to, I need to store up all my treasures. I need to store up all this stuff, right? And, and that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. It brings us to, because when you mention that, I store it up, I accumulate. Mm -hmm. The danger is the more accumulation I have, the more insecure I become. Wow, wow. <laughs> that, uh, the more insecure so I become. The yeah. more I gather, because I gather thinking if I gather, I'll be able to be in control and nothing takes me by surprise. Mm. But the more I gather, the more I am uncertain of everything now. Yeah. But with the more I release, I am literally saying, more is coming. Right. Yeah. I'm depending on another. There's a reason why God has given it to me. I'll use this example. You remember the rich man and Lazarus? Yeah. The rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus was a man of faith. Many times we fail to understand it. How could he have faith? He was poor, a beggar. He had sores all over his body. Mm -hmm. The answer is simple. If it wasn't for faith, it would never be in the bosom of Abraham when he died. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. But when he dies, the angels take him to the bosom of Abraham, right. the father of our faith. Right. So he is one who believed like Abraham. Yeah, right. But he had no physical manifestation to prove what we call the physical manifestation in our day. What we call. Yeah. Yes. To prove that he had faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yet his heart yeah. was worshiping God. Mm. So, so that's what faith dies, is. The beggar died a rich man and the rich man died a poor man. It is written over there. When the rich man, when they cross over, the rich man cries out. Give me one. Father Abraham. You see, at that point, when they were on earth, Lazarus couldn't talk to the rich man. There had to be somebody in the middle. Mm -hmm. When they crossed on the other side, the rich man couldn't talk to Lazarus yeah. directly. <laughs> he had to go through Abraham. And he said, Abraham, you tell Lazarus. Wow. <laughs> That's good. You tell Lazarus to at least dip some water Deep one of his fingers in the water because I'm dying. Right. And, and Abraham says, son, while you were on earth, you had everything you wanted. Mm -hmm. And now Lazarus has everything and you don't have it. Right. What does it bring to us? You having all the blessing is more responsibility upon you than you know. Yep, that's absolutely right. The that's only good. reason God placed Lazarus at the gate of the rich man was not that Lazarus was just a loser, mm. but it was to give the rich man an opportunity wow. to be able to express God towards Lazarus. Mm. Wow. And what did the rich man think? Lazarus just does is not smart enough. He's just not smart enough. Mm. What he was not seeing is that whatever he was accumulating, he was supposed to distribute. That's good. Wow. And he missed Okay, now it. you're teaching us the balance we're asking for. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 
And he over here, the man had everything, could not give it out. There are people that God brings in our lives. And you're thinking, maybe they're not smart as I am, otherwise they would be where I am. <laughs> right. Come on. When in actual sense, God is saying, the only reason I blessed you this way is not because you're too smart. It's not because you walk harder than everybody else because there are people that walk harder than you and they don't have what you have. Right. <laughs> I gave this to you so that it may, you may be a conduit right. yeah. and you may touch others. Wow. I can Jesus. relate. I've seen it back home in Africa. When I travel and get to the United States, there are many people that would like to visit this beautiful country and they don't have the opportunity to do so. So when God gives me the opportunity, it's not because I'm the best. So when I come here, people can give me suits. I can buy some. I can do this. And I go back and there are pastors that have never worn a suit in their whole life. Mm -hmm. And I come and I say, you're serving God. I know you don't have to look left, right or center. The reason I have this is so that I may also show you who God is and show you his, his love. So I give them mm. bicycles, even while we were walking together and you were getting bicycles mm -hmm. for pastors in the villages. Mm. Because I have the opportunity to access a certain thing, it doesn't end with me. That's it's got to so go good. and touch Beautiful. another Beautiful. who is believing wow. God. Yeah. That if they've prayed to God, why should I wait? For somebody else to bring it when it is within my power to answer that oh, prayer. Yeah. To answer that prayer. Yeah. There's a pastor, as I speak today. This man is older than me. But he came to me by probably about six years. But one time he invited me to his church and he said, I want you to speak to our church. And I went over. When I started speaking, God moved in that place. I did not know. And God told me, I want you to pay that man's house rent for a year. Mm. I said, okay, God. He spoke it to me. My account had no money. I had nothing. Mm. But he told me, pay his rent for a year. That's unbelievable. <laughs> the problem is we only believe God based on what we have. Which is a problem. Oh, Which is a problem. <laughs> Which is a problem. So when even God is speaking oh to you, God. you cannot hear him because you're looking at what you have. He's calling for obedience. Come on. Just say, I'm willing, Lord. Oh, my God. And watch me do the rest. Wow. Oh, my God. I told him, okay, God. And he told me, tell it to him. I said, okay, God. And I walked to him. Spirit was moving. And I told him, sir, God is telling me this and I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to pay your rent of the house for a full year. I didn't even know how much he was going to pay. Mm. I just obeyed for a full year because I knew I had backup. Right. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it wasn't me. I told it to him. He's called Pastor John. I told it to him. He broke down, went on his knees, and he cried. He started bowling, and he was in tears. I said, are you okay? 
<laughs> he could not respond. The church started crying. I didn't know what was going on. And he stood up and he said, Pastor, today's Sunday, but the next week I was going to pack my bags. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I was going to pack my bags and go back to the village and stop this ministry. My thing. Lord. Mm. I was going to go back and Man. stop this ministry Man. thing because. They were kicking me out of the house. Mm. I could not afford the rent. Mm. Hey. Wow. <laughs> <sighs> I could not afford the rent. I looked at him. I said, God, thank you for allowing me to be obedient. Thank you for allowing me to be obedient. Mm. I told him, I'm going to start it. He told me the money. It was less than $100 a month. I started paying that rent. God started bringing the money. I started paying the rent. Wow. I paid it. I paid it. And in the middle of that, about two months after paying rent, a believer in his church woke up and said, the day that pastor came, God spoke to me to give you a piece of land. And I paid his rent after a year. As I speak today, this man's ministry changed forever. Man. He had a few people. People came in. This man, as I speak, got that land after a year. He trusted God to start building. I told him, I'm going to stand with you. As I speak, he has finished roofing the windows and he's going to enter his house. Wow. Oh, he's a pastor. He's going to enter his house. And oh. every time he calls me, his church makes, uh, celebrates another year. He says, you will bear with me, but I don't have anybody I can call. <laughs> you changed my life. Mm. You changed the course of my ministry. Mm. You changed everything. Now I can serve God. Why am I sharing this? I hadn't even planned on it. It's when you started it. <laughs> because we get to points where God blesses us and we only stay within our bubble and we never reach out beyond what we can. Come on. You don't know whose life you're going to change forever. There might be a Lazarus and God is saying... The only reason I bring a Lazarus around you is not because you're so special. Mm. But I want to pull stuff out of you. Mm. And build on Lazarus. Because I'm not going to keep releasing it through you alone. Yeah, and it ends with you. When it ends with you, it destroys community. Mm. Mm. It destroys community. It. But when it comes to you and it can spread to me, it builds community. Then you can love one another. You can reach out and share with one another. 
Pastor, these scriptures right here explains exactly the testimony. Please. 2 Corinthians. And God is able to make all grace Hallelujah. abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. Wow. First point, notice the grace and the provisions so that you could abound to every good work. <laughs> As it is written, yes, sir. he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. Yes. Here's the big one to me. His righteousness remaineth. He just connected money with righteousness. Exactly. Wow. He wow. just connected these, the giving yes. part with righteousness. <laughs> now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food, and will multiply your seed sown. Is this not his testimony? Yes, <laughs> Here it is again. Multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Hallelujah. It's an expression of a righteous heart with God when yeah. we are benevolent yes. on mm -hmm. any level or degree. And here's what the pastor did. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. It you sparked worship. Yes. Look, <laughs> for the administration of this service not only supplied the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. Mm. Wow. Whilst by the experiment, I like that word. Yeah. He give you a Lazarus so you could experiment and experience. <laughs> whilst the, by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your obedience. Look, wow. at that. Look, uh, at that. Look at that. So God said, in the end, I'm going to let you experience something that I'm ultimately going to get the glory Look for. Look at that. Your obedience, for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And here's great. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God <laughs> in you. Mm. Oh, God. You see the circle? Yes, sir. It caused you to experience Something. the goodness of God. Yes. It caused God to get the glory, and it stirred them to glorify God and pray for you. I, uh, I want to get Pastor Cyrus to pray over this, just what we've just been talking about right now. Yeah. Uh, just, I don't know, I, I could feel the same thing Scott was right there in that moment. But before you do, I want to share just an experience that helped me in this area before you pray over it just for the people, yeah. uh, anyone that listens to this. God taught me this with, uh, we were doing a youth event here and we were bringing the students in for like three days and we brought students in from like the projects and just some poverty yeah. areas that don't yes. have a lot in excess and things like yes. that. Well, I noticed we had a box of chips sitting on the counter and I noticed one of the young boys putting chips in his pockets. I mean, he was just loading down chips. Yeah. And at first I was thinking, you know, why is he doing this? And God just began to show me it was a lack of faith in who Thank was providing you. the chips. In his mind, all he could see was the box on the counter. Oh, he didn't yeah. know. He yeah. didn't know I had he 10 more boxes under the counter. And so he could have it all weekend as much as he wanted. But in his mind, he could only see the one box. So he thought, I better hold tightly to everything I can get because this is about to run out. When in reality, and God began to show me in that moment. I haven't really talked to anybody about this when it happened. Uh, he began to show me in that moment. That's how we live. We only see this one box. So we're trying to hold on. I got to keep. I got to load up. I got to store up. When he's saying, 
my boxes are unlimited. I mean, I'm not going to run out. <laughs> yeah. So so it's okay to let someone else get some, to give someone. Mm-hmm. And he just taught me that lesson that moment and showed me that poverty mindset of only being able to see and right now. And i got to hold on for me right now. You Absolutely. talked earlier. You said you made the statement about holding on loosely. To That's all this it. stuff that we have in this, we hold loosely because That's it was freely given. And, yes, uh, sir. And so if you don't mind, Pastor, just right now, what we just discussed, will you just pray over that for us right now? Yeah, That is so amazing. And maybe if you will allow me before you pray, or before I pray, I love what you said. That one over there is what God told me is called the spirit of poverty. Yeah. Poverty is not just being without but it's the fear mm-hmm. of being without. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yes. The fear of being without. Yeah. And to add on that testimony, when I did that a couple of years ago, I did it. This gentleman, for a year, things changed. His ministry was restored. And I came and visited your nation. And somebody said, somebody wants to talk to you. And they took me, and the person looked at me and said, God tells me to build you a house. Wow. Mm. I said, thank you, Lord. (laughs) He built (laughs) me a house in Africa, cleared everything. He said, draw the plan. God said, I have to build you a house. He built a house, it's five bedrooms, mm-hmm. three bathrooms, three toilets, it's got a huge living room, it's got a huge dining area, it's got a kitchen, and that's what happened. Before I came in February, that house was almost totally complete. Wow. And I said, we need to trust God. We are going to enter that house. All our old furniture, we gave away. <laughs> I want to show you that this should never end. Mm, yeah, wow. real. You never get to a point where you say, Lord, I earned this furniture. Yeah, come on, it come came on. a long way. Yeah. But somebody never heard it in their house. They needed it. I say, no. We gave away that furniture. The lady we gave that furniture to had spent years without furniture. She worshiped God. She, exact scripture you did, (laughs) thanking God for us. Wow. We've given away the TV. We gave away almost everything we ever had. Our beds. And we entered our house. And now, in our house, we see it on the floor, but we're saying, Father, thank you for you kidding, for furniture. Thank you for a sofa set. Thank you for a nice box, God. Thank you for an oven, Lord. Thank you for a bed. Now our faith is rejuvenated. We're back. We're staring it up like never before. We're saying, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. How is it going to happen? That's none of our business. But we want to dare God. We want our faith afresh once again. Wow. We can pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I bless you and I worship you. Labo shikataiebetende. Libo sikotaria brakabo shetekerem broko buriabo seketerembre. Yikarobo sataya. Lord, we praise you and we adore you. 
We come to you and we put our faith in you. For it is written, without faith, it is impossible. You didn't say it is hard. You said it is impossible. In other words, there is no way beyond a reasonable doubt. You're going to please me if you don't dare trust me. There's no way you're going to please me if you don't dare believe me and let me take you to places you've never been. Let me cause you to do stuff you've never done. Lord, we are willing to dare you. And we pray for the person listening to us. Lord, they've heard it. Many are doubting. But I rebuke the fear in Jesus' name. Yes, Let them dare you tonight. Let them dare believe you. Let them take their understanding and put it aside for it is written. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The way I believed you, Lord, and refused to lean on my own understanding. And I've done this and the other. Let the same spirit flow through our listeners. Flow to everybody listening. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, let them believe you. Let that reasoning come to an end. Mm. Let them take you at your word. And hold them to faith. For you're a God that never lies. Mm. Faithful Mm. are you. Let faith begin. Yes, Lord. Knowing that everything we don't do in faith is sin. Mm. We'll come back to you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. name. Amen. 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 Wow, this has been good. Hallelujah. (laughs) This has been rich. Uh, Pastor Cyrus, thank you for taking some time with us this morning. Uh, I am very honored. Thank you for having me around. We are so excited to spend these days with you. Uh, Hallelujah. It's been good. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Connect series. For more information, visit lifechurchofcolumbia.org.